Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Good morning. It's always an honor to be able to worship together, but it's always good to see old friends popping up occasionally. So welcome, guys. Really great to see you. You know, this past Tuesday, I was a guest um, professor at the Jesus Lab. So I was over there, and Tracy led sort of this activation workshop. And so to use it as an example, she had me come up. And if you guys don't know, Tracy, she's our prophetic leader, and she does like these activities to try to get us to exercise some of our spiritual gifts. Uh, but she used me as a kind of guinea pig. She had me come up, and she asked me a simple question, what's your favorite movie? And I said, Braveheart, immediately. No hesitation. And then she said, why? And, and then, she, then she said, let me guess. Let me guess. And she would, gave me some guesses of that why. But after that workshop, I was really provoked to think. I never questioned why I love that movie so much. Of course, William Wallace is the man, right? He's man's man. He, the way he carried the mission, the way he led his men, the way he fought, all of that was great. I have appreciated it. But it was the whole movie that I was drawn to. It never really occurred to me what drew me about that movie wasn't the one man. It was his entire team. It was his country that he was leading. It was the bigger picture. Because behind William Wallace were his team, his crew, motley crew, crazy guys, but they gave it all. They did what was right. They stood behind William Wallace in the mission to freeing for the sake of their own family. You guys understand? So if you guys have never seen it, you got to see it. Well, I can't recommend it because of the violence, but if you're into that kind of thing, it's awesome. Because there's always a time when the politicians play politics. But then to see men rise to do what is right, to carry out the justice, to show honor, character, justice. Because we are all drawn to those noble attributes, aren't we? Especially those who go against the grain of the culture, against the evil, and do the hard thing to run into the battle to fight for justice. And that attribute is found in the Bible. And that's what we are drawn into. There are the Braveheart accounts in the Bible that we are drawn into. And if you guys uh, don't know, the Braveheart character is sort of like David and his mighty men. If you guys don't know that story, you should read the Bible. It's in 2 Samuels, and it chronicles those things. But now let me just bring to remembrance, the nation of Israel remembered their greatest king in history, and that was David, son of Jesse, who went and fought Goliath, the giant, and won. And he was legendary for carrying out and bringing, literally accomplishing all the promised land of God. 
So if you know the whole history of Israel, yeah, God had promised the land, but they had to take it. The, the 12 tribes had to take it, and they did take it not until King David came, or David came and accomplished through warfare. He was the most successful military general and king of all times for Israel. David is given the credit, but he wasn't the man who carried it all out. It was him and his army, particularly his mighty men, the 30, if you guys know the story. There are people that we are drawn to. There is story that we love to hear and know because our hearts long for such character, strength, loyalty, and honor. And so we're going to look a portion of that story this morning. Where is that coming from? It's not the mic. Let's turn off other things just in case. So. Oh, did you turn it off? It's like, what? But I want you guys to, the story is inspirational. But we have to wonder, we have to ask ourselves, what can we learn from these mighty 30? What can we learn from David's men? And what can we do as a people of God to invoke the kingdom of God to fight as God calls us to fight? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. So the story begins in uh, verse 8 about the David's mighty men. So just a little backdrop. There's a total of 37 names that's listed in there, but there are the 30 who are considered the elite, right? But within the 30, there's three. So you have names that's worthy of mention, that's recognized, chronicle, and people are like, hey, you should know these people because they some amazing things, but the 30, that's the SEAL team. That's like cream of the crop, but the three were the leaders that was like right in the left of David. Okay, verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. Joshabashabeth, <laughs> a Tekemanite, was a chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men, whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai the Ahohite, as one of the three mighty men. He was with David when he taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Okay, so first thing to note is that mothers, if you want to raise up heroes, pick a name that you can pronounce with less syllables. Because if you can't say the name, they're not going to be remembered. But, all right, let's just say Joe, Joseph. All right, Joe, let's start with him. You got a guy who struck down 800 men with his spear. I don't understand that. I can't even comprehend except in cartoons. Like, you know, guy with a sword, boom, and then 800 collide. I can't even imagine what he did. But we know that he was the cream of the crop, the three, that other men 
gave respect and honor to. You guys understand? In the Chronicles, it says 300. Whether it's 300 or 800, come on. One guy took them all. And who's crazy enough to stand up against 800 or 300? Craziness, but it was enough that his men gave him the respect. That's all you need to know. All right. Then, you know, this is the stuff of legends made for. Eleazar. I can pronounce that name. Good. He was one of the three. And the story goes that they're in this battle at Pastamin for battle, and his men retreat, or his team retreats. He doesn't. He stands firm and fights against the hundreds until he couldn't stand any longer. And the sword is frozen to his hand. You know, I had a friend like that. We called him stubborn. Uh, But he got the job done. It's this tenacity, unwavering strength that does not give up unrelenting. This is a guy that you want on your team. He will not back down. It's, that tenacity is, we can make jokery of some people who show such tenacity, stubbornness maybe, but that's a character that you want on your team. And you can imagine the kind of warriors that these 30 were like. And then verse 13, and, but this is the story, this is the Legendary story, right? It says, during the harvest time, this is summer, three of the 30 chief men came down to David at the cave of Abdelam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty men broke through the Philistine line, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Okay, this is a crazy story. Because if you, it's harvest time, which means it's summer. It's probably hot. The enemies, the Philistines, were in Bethlehem around the city gate. And if you imagine city gate, it's sort of like the capital of that city with the walls, with the gates. And it is the front line to protect the city, which means the politicians, the leaders are located at the gate. And all the military people are always on the watch because they're on the defense, meaning they're always ready. That's what you do at the city gate. Now, David is in the cave with his men, and he just has a passing word. Oh, man, I sure would like to have that cup of water from Bethlehem Gate. I mean, that sweet spring water. Just a wishful thought. Not that he would ask anyone to go to the Mission Impossible to get him that water. But the men, in hearing this, not told what to do, but goes out because of their love and respect for David. Three mighty men go to the city gate to do the mission impossible, to fight the people, the enemies, to bring a cup of water. Imagine that. That's craziness because when we think of the mission impossible with Tom Cruise and any, like the big movies, because this scene should be like, if it was a movie, it would be towards the end of the movie. 
you build up the climax, the characters, the people, the capability, the strategizing to save somebody who got kidnapped, to steal tons of gold, to take the most valuable prize because it's worth the fight. But here, these men are fighting for a cup of water because they love David, had respected for him. They believed in him. They bring back that cup of water, and David couldn't even drink it. Because he said in verse 17, far be it from, for me, O Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went out at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. He couldn't drink because of what it cost, because of what it risks. His men put their own lives, his prized, important men put themselves on the line to bring him something that he just wished for. And I get that. I totally get it. Because if I was David, I don't think I could drink that. Because if my most prized people around me were to risk their life just to bring me something insignificant, because the relationships, the people around me are far more important than a cup of water or my thirst or my comfort or my wants. I put the place, the needs of my family, my friends, the church, way ahead of my thirst. David recognized that, and he poured it out, and he gave it to the Lord as his worship. No one deserves such an honor except the Lord. And so David did what was appropriate. He gave it onto the Lord. Couldn't even drink it. Couldn't even enjoy it. Said, I don't deserve it. I am unworthy of this. But the impression I get of the mighty 30, and, and it's not in the Bible, but just bear with me here. This is just a thought. The mighty 30 are mentioned in the Chronicles, in the, the Bible, to be told for thousands of years. We recognize their value. We recognize their worth, their impact in the history of their country. They're legendary, legacy left behind, because what they have done empower the, the entire nation to become what it became because of their work, right? So we recognize that in hindsight, in history. But did these men know how important they were? You guys understand? We can read how important they were to their nation, to their king, but did they know the impact? how valuable they were to others. I say that because how many people, how many of you serve, give onto others and know your value, know your impact in your community, know your influence and what a blessing you are? Really. Because Often we don't really look at ourselves. To, some people can have the arrogance to say, oh, yeah, I'm so great without having the weight of it. But often, especially in the church, within the Christian humility, we serve, we put the needs of others ahead of our own and our comfort and put ourselves in, maybe even in danger at the risk because we don't value ourselves or appreciate our impact. Often we look to the pastor. We look to the leaders. 
but when everyone has their value and worth. When we consider the history of Israel, it's easy to see how God calls his servants to lead his nation. I mean, we read the Bible and we see Abraham. God called him, go to the land that I will show you. And we consider him man of faith. We see uh, Moses. God called Moses, lead your people out of slavery and into the promised land. We see what his faith and obedience has done for the history of the people. But when we get to David, it wasn't just about one person. It was about the team that he led, people who followed him, people who believed in him. It was not just about the faith of David, the man of faith, but it was about who God has placed in his life to make it work, to allow that promise to come into fruition. At a time when David was a runaway and his own king wanted to kill him, a group of bandit warriors followed David. That was the mighty men. They started following David at a time when David was a runaway, a nobody without a title. But they believed in faith of the promise what God would say that he's going to be the next king. They believed what he could do because of his character or his attributes or what he was able, uh, what he had accomplished and what he will accomplish. People followed him. He was a leader. But they followed from the conviction and the faith of God and of David. It's a story of disciples. You had David and his 30 mighty who led and changed the history of Israel. And you had disciples God, Jesus had called the 12 to follow him. And it's through the 12 that planted the church. The gospel was preached. It was started with 12 insignificant people. They weren't famous before the call. And Jesus, at a time when he was called a rabbi, a teacher, but the disciples saw him as something far more, the prophesied Messiah, the Christ who was to come. And they followed to him, followed him in all the ways because of their faith and conviction of who Jesus was. The church was birthed through that conviction of the 12, maybe the 11 plus one later, um, who believed in conviction of Jesus of the one and changed the world, if you will. But yet, even these 12, while they were following Jesus, and if you've watched The Chosen, I think it gives you a, a better picture of maybe the kind of characters that the disciples were. They dealt with their insecurities. They dealt with doubt, wondered because they didn't understand fully all that Jesus did. And I wonder, did they fully appreciate or know their value as they followed their leader? And the question comes back to, how about you? 
Do you know your value, your worth, how great you are? And I was talking with Sarah, um, it was earlier this week, and we were talking about attendance and the size of our church. And it's very easy to think, you know, as a new church plant, the size, because we've never really grown in large in size. And it's a very humbling conversation. Um, and we wondered why. Don't know why. Because we've always felt really full. No matter our size, from the very beginning, our launch, you know, the conversations and the things that have been said was, this is weird. It feels like we've been here forever. From the, very, from the day one of our launch. The church always felt established. From the very beginning, our prophetic prayer team and ministry at the altar, we've seen healings. People come for prayer, receive they come with, I remember a lady named Iris. She had eye pain where she had a hard time seeing. She got healed. <laughs> her name, I remember because her name is Iris, and she, she got healed of her eyesight. There were many healings. Like, we praise God. There has been so many things happening in our church. It was never about our size. But we always felt full because of the relationship that we have with one another. We, we've always felt full because of, of such giftedness that exists in this church of the members. We've always felt full because it's like, and we wonder why aren't we growing? Because you guys are all superpower. I mean, like, you are the mighty 30. Really. We have been, <laughs> this is crazy. We've been averaging this 30 for a while now. And people are sick right now. We're traveling. But that's kind of been our number. And so Sarah and I kind of joked. It's like, this is the mighty 30. Because look at, Who's in here? Look at what you guys have been able to do. You know, we, our mission is lost, found, found, free, peace, reign. And we say uh, we have faith for, we honor everyone, we have faith for everyone, and we empower everyone. I didn't say that in the correct order, but bear with me. <laughs> and so we give people the opportunity and the chance to grow. And like Nika, in the last two months, amazing. Just in the last two months, the faith, the prophetic, musical, you've always had the musical, but then we're seeing you just grow, and you're not the same person four years ago when we first met you. It, no, really, it, it's been amazing. I, we empowered, we want to empower Fritz, and I, he led the Bible study last week, and I said, hey, Fritz, I heard wonderful things. I want to empower you. I want to see you grow. So, you know, we went to the Bible study, and I'm like, if I could coach him, help him, whatever it is. And I'm like, you're amazing. There, there was nothing I could add to that or to help you because that's who you are. Like, people rise up in our church, do things, and you're amazing. You are so good. We are so equipped and blessed. Do you know how amazing you are, how mighty you are? This past Tuesday, I was, you know, during the workshop, and guys are praying for one another, or talking or exercising um, some things. I don't want to give it away. But if you go to Jesus' lab, you will know. Uh, but I saw a couple of guys, tall, and they were 
doing their exercises, I watched them. I, it just occurred to me. Like, I, I believe God was giving me words, but they were mighty warriors. But I also knew a couple of those guys dealt with major insecurities. God was showing me how great, powerful, gifted they were. But I also knew that they were dealing with their own insecurities or self-esteem. I was blown away. I, I went to one of them later on and said, this is what the Lord showed me. I want you to know, but you are bigger than you think you are. You're better than you think you are. You got to know this because God is like doing something right now. He's like, yeah, I know, I know. It, it, because the Lord has been working in that man. And it was so obvious for me seeing from the outside what the Lord was doing. And I'm wondering... Do you guys know how mighty you are? It's, oh, I believe the Lord is doing mighty things. He has been. Not just at the altar and the prayer ministry, but even beyond in our fellowship. And, and maybe some of you guys are saying, oh, yeah, at my work, I, I do well in this, but not so but I'm young in faith in church or whatever it is. You, you might make an excuse for yourself, but I'm telling you, I am so honored to have you call the resting place your church. I'm so blessed by you because of what you have contributed. Your presence here makes a difference. Your, your small and big contributions makes a difference to the community, to the church. Sometimes we believe a lie that we're not that good or we're not that great. Others can speak life and truth into you and you say, ah, nah, that's not me. That's someone else. I don't know who you're talking about. And we hide behind the lies that keeps us from realizing the full potential of what God desires to give onto you as a promise. When I was young, and I might have shared this story before, but when I was young, I believed a lie. The lie was that I was dumb. I really believed it. All my sisters were straight-A students. They totally lived up to the Asian stereotype, you know, the Asian, you know, stereotype. Straight-A, honor student, they were good, scholarships, all of that. I, I just said, I'm the black sheep. I'm the good-looking popular one. That's what I said. Now, I'm joking. Come on now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. The bad joke fell flat. <laughs> but I, I believed a lie, and it was because I had immigrated when I was a kid. And so my English and my academics was always several years behind. I remember in seventh grade, I was reading like third, fourth grade books. So by the time we were doing like SAT in high school, I was way back. So, I mean, the joke is I took TOEFL, which is like English as your second language test, so that I could get into the college that I needed to. But, you know, that's the reality. But I did believe that I was dumb or different than my sisters. That was the lie I had believed. It wasn't until third year in college God, I got saved, born again, and 
He brought this clarity to mind. I was able to think really clearly, objectively, about life and my position in it. And I started studying for the first time. The reason I got poor grades was not because I was dumb. I just didn't study. I didn't do my homework, which is like dumb, right? But that's what I did. So I did my homework. I started studying. If there was something I didn't understand, I actually went to the professor. This is third year in college. I went and asked a question for the first time in my life that I didn't understand. I was so proud of myself afterwards. I called my sister. I was like, guess what I did? I was not a good student. But God redeemed me from that. But fast forward about eight, ten years later. I'm in California. And... Uh, I, I was visiting this church, and it was spirit-filled. One of the associate pastors who gave prophetic words prophesied over me, and he said, I sense a gift of wisdom over you. I said, get out. I mean, it was like, no, really. He said a lot of great things. You know, prophetic words can be really good. But I'm like, oh, come on. I mean, it's one thing to believe that I'm not dumb, but wise, mm, I knew I wasn't. <laughs> you know? So, I didn't take it. I kind of rejected it. didn't believe in it because I just got over, you're not dumb. But then he's like, there's wisdom. There's a deeper understanding that you're able to see and understand that's deeper. Didn't quite understand it at that time or even believed it. But when the Lord called me to ministry and confirmed and with a lot of resistance and I'm making the story short. So he calls me, and there was only really one seminary that I was allowed to go, and it was Gordon-Conwell Theological. And that school is north of Boston. It's highly academic. The professors, if you know anything about that school, professors, students, all my classmates, pretty much Ivy League background. And from what I understand, Gordon-Conwell was invited to be Ivy League, but they said no, mainly because that if they were part of this group, they had to teach. If somebody were to say, hey, let's, I want to learn witchcraft, they had to t teach it. They're like, no. They believe in the inerrancy of the word, the statement of faith, and because of that, they held to their value as opposed to joining a group. But I want you to know, when I was there, I felt intimidated at first because my classmates were all elite schools, especially the Asian ones. I don't know why, but my classmates, that they were like top schools in the country. Professors, Ivy League background, okay. And then, if that doesn't get worse, where I interned was a church located in Cambridge, Massachusetts, smack between MIT and Harvard. My Bible study, and I kid you not, my Bible study was Christian theology and had PhD candidates of Harvard, grad school, undergrad from MIT, Tufts, uh, BU, Wellesley, um, just to name a few, iBankers, prof young professionals, in my Bible study. Talk about intimidated. I overprepared going in there for the Bible study because I thought they were so much smarter than me. Then I realized they weren't. No, really. That was an epiphany that as I was teaching and conversing, building relationship with now professor in Yale, PhD student, uh, at the time PhD candidate in Harvard, we're having deep conversations and we're able to dissect things together. 
And I realize, I'm not dumb. I have a, I have a knack for this. And I was able to see who were pretentious and, and maybe part of that group. But I came to understand that maybe there was something too about this wisdom understanding. And I'm not just dumb, but God has given me something to understand. So when you guys see me uh, and say, oh, yeah, Pastor Eric, you, you, you can teach the word and all, all that stuff. And you kind of expect it because of the title or the position. But I'm telling you there's a testimony behind this. It wasn't always the case. I had believed a lie. That lie kept me from realizing the life that God had in store for me. And I'm telling you that you guys, I see, it's easier for me to see the gifts that is on you, who God is like calling you up into, your identity. And I don't know if you are hiding behind some insecurity, low self-esteem, or doubt, or where that lie comes from, or what that lie is. I don't know yet. But what I'm saying is, God is doing amazing things here. We felt it from the very beginning. It doesn't matter about the numbers. But the Spirit of God is moving in this place every Sunday. God listens to our prayers. And we were just talking about the fellowship earlier today. And it's like, we love each other. This is like, we don't want, to miss, want anyone missed out just because of the travels that's coming up. That's the heart of this church. So I share this. To say God is doing something amazing. And you are the mighty 30. You are mighty, mightier than you think you are. And it is to see this church, to see us being of the same team, is amazing and an honor. In a way... I could say, Lord, I don't deserve to lead such people. I will pour out. But God has called us together. It is not me who chose you to come into the church, but the Lord has prompted your heart to come in, to build this church together. Right? And that's the amazing thing, is that I did not choose you, you did not choose me, but the Lord has orchestrated some things where we meet and work our butts off setting up the equipment and tearing down every Sunday, the sacrifices you make, you know, morning and night. And the Lord reminded me in Zechariah 4.10, he says, he said, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. This is the beginning. This is the start of something small, but that is called to be bigger. I don't know what that future looks like, but I'm telling you, you are mighty. You are awesome. We are the church together, and, and statistically, every one of you guys serve. Give me a statistic of any church that says 100%. Give, give it to me. Come on. I'll take this elite team over any day. Every one of our members serve, including the kids. And one more teaching point, and I'll close with this, is that these mighty men, if you look at, you know, like Uriah the Hittite, you know, the Hittite is the country where he came from. And many of these names had Ammonite or whatever, the country that they came from, to show that they weren't all Israelites. 
meaning they were a diverse group. And you got a Korean American pastor leading with Puerto Rican American <laughs> associate pastor and whatever colors you guys are, red, white, blue. I mean, <laughs> this is a very diverse, and, and a lot of our members are traveling, but we are a very colorful group. I love that. And that is my dream. It's my dream come true because that's my heart and one of the reasons why I am so honored to be able to lead you guys as a church of Jesus Christ in our diversity, in our giftedness, that God has made us one. Amen? Amen. Let's rise. I'm going to welcome the prayer team to come forward. And I know that many, there is some sickness going around. So if you need sick healing, come receive prayer because God heals. Who got healed last week? Miss Joanne was like in the presence praying over someone's back. Um, uh, uh, older man, what's his? Jonathan's father. And then, um, so she was like in the presence, and he said immediately he felt a relief. A relief. No, what nobody knows. I don't ever say nothing. I do have like a, a lower back issue. Um, my husband has. She prayed over him, but she like fell on me, and I felt like in the glory. She was like. Ah. And then she kind of like touched me and fell on me. And then I immediately felt relief as well. So that happened last Sunday. And if I heard correctly, um, the gentleman, Jonathan's dad, he, he was visiting. And he was like, oh, I, I, he felt a difference immediately, instantly. And so those are the things that we just have been experiencing all the time. His posture changed, yeah. So... Oh, praise God. So I'm, I'm just saying, if you have sickness, I'm going to come back to you, the team, because I need prayer for my foot. And I was like, I was kneeling, and I remember I hurt my foot. I was like, why did I get prayed for? But sometimes we neglect the small things. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for this family of God, the Resting Place Church, and our other campuses that are meeting right now. Lord, how you have just moved in the midst of our church in your spirit and in your power and the multi-diversity of all of our campuses and the pastors and the blessings, Lord, the blessings. We may not understand fully your picture and your call for this church, but we recognize that we are a prophetic community who loves your word you have brought forth people who love you love your word and love your holy spirit and we feel we lack nothing but lord we ask for more release more and lord any areas of the darkness or the lies that people believe that is untrue be gone in jesus name lord we say we exist for the lost found found free and for peace to reign i pray for greater freedom for your sons and daughters greater freedom from the lies and the deceits that the world has uh, poured into our lives or sown into be gone we cast out the weeds that does not belong we prune areas of darkness and untruth. We prune the areas of our lives, our actions that does not honor you. 
And Lord, I pray for growth right now in Jesus' name, for my brothers and sisters, spiritual growth, spiritual power. Lord, be awakened, awakened to greater heights that, Lord, as your church would recognize their might, their greatness in you, Lord, in you. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.